Hello and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Tracy Allen, Head of Agricultural Commodities Research at JP Morgan. And on today's Commodities Edition, I'm joined by my colleague, Rahani Agarwal, here to discuss the outlook for agricultural markets, which warrant attention in our view, as it feels like we're in the midst of the calm before the storm. We've just had a really formative data release, the United States Department of Agriculture's August World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates, the, the WASD, that really shares with the market the first indication of US crop yields and what a summer it's been, not just from the, the, the point of view of the you know, immense volatility that we've seen across input cost prices and energy prices particularly, but the extreme weather that crops have really been subject to across much of the likes of the US and, and equally Western Europe, where we've seen huge moisture deficits intensify. The Rhine River is on the brink of closure and the, the flows are immensely low. The outlook going forward um, is still particularly challenging from a weather point of view. With La Nina lingering for what appears to be a third South American growing season. So the WASDI, what did we learn today? Well, I think as widely expected and certainly as flagged in our recently published quarterly report, we did see the US corn yield trimmed slightly to 175.4 bushels per acre there, a slight reductions in, in planted area or uh, well, harvested area certainly for the likes of uh, the, the, the US corn crop, uh, to a certain extent wheat as well. Um, some changes in acreage equally uh, with a, a slight reduction in the planted area for the soybean crop. But I think most surprisingly for the market was the immense cut in US cotton production uh, to a level uh, around three, 3 million bale cut on the month uh, certainly the largest reduction in production over a month's period that I've ever seen in my career. I dare say um, perhaps one of the largest cuts we've ever seen uh, in one of these WASDI reports. And, and, and that's uh, interestingly only driven the US traded ICE number two uh, cotton futures market, only driven the market up by about three percentage points on the day thus far. And I think that's really indicative of the very, very, uh, light positioning, very, very low open interest that we have in these agricultural markets currently. And as, as I've said, we haven't seen much of an improvement in the fundamental situation. We'll talk through some other numbers shortly. Um, but nonetheless, a, a real lack of response from, from prices here in an environment where the, the production risks are, are clearly materially declining. Uh, and um, we're, we're seeing the likes of the grain markets here, despite a contraction in global wheat and also global corn inventories. We're seeing these markets trade lower. And perhaps a little, that's a little bit of, um, you know, buying the rumor and selling the fact, of course, this week we've had very positive price performance across much of the agricultural markets. But to see cotton only move up 3% in an environment of historically low US inventories at 1.8 million bale carryout is, uh, is certainly very, surprising and, and underwhelming. Uh, you would ordinarily see very, very outside moves, arguably in the likes of the cotton market, uh, you know, or in, in ordinary time when open interest is low. So with that, Rahani, um, I wanted to just delve into some of these positioning challenges that we've seen across agricultural markets, because since we've last recorded our podcast and uh, since our last quarterly, we've seen the BCom Ag 
track lower um, 10 percentage points or so where we're up 1% arguably this week, uh, or, um, excuse me, through the course of August to date. But we've seen such a historic collapse in commercial, in non-commercial positioning, the flows across agricultural markets are now tracking like rather negatively or certainly the value of open interest across agricultural markets is now very much you know, down on the year there. Um, what's happening from a positioning point of view and, and what should we be watching out for here? Hey, Tracy. So the collapse in the BCOM Agri Index, as you pointed out towards pre-conflict levels, has been accompanied by aggressive outflows from the sector with the estimated agri open interest value tumbling by almost 20% since mid-April. What is interesting is the non-commercial investor position, which uh, is almost the smallest since August 2020 and close to turning to a net shot now and just highlights positioning-based vulnerability uh, that we are seeing currently amid bullish fundamentals still. However, what is interesting is that with the aggregate futures and open uh, options open interest falling to almost a five-year low now, discretionary investors' share in aggregate open interest has increased. And this just increases the importance of te technical indicators and momentum following systematic traders in a highly volatile price environment, which is characterized by very uh, muted investor risk appetite at the moment. Across the other trader types as well, consumers have been slow to cover forward needs. Swap dealers hold the lowest position on record currently, and index traders have slashed their net position as well by almost 30% from the 2022 peak. However, the fundamental challenges remain, as you pointing out as well, and investor positioning continues to present quite upside price risk from that standpoint. So Tracy, just on that point, what do you think are the top picks across agri markets? Yeah, Rahani, you know, I, I certainly think Colton's done um, a lot of work in this report today, uh, looking at that immensely low U US carryout. Um, and, and equally on a global basis, you know, Cotton is one of one of the more discretionary traded uh, markets. And so we have been highlighting firstly the supply side constraints that the market has, which is um, one of the more globally constrained from a, um, a production point of view, but equally it does have downside challenges during recessionary periods, um, which have, I think, for my mind, you know, given the more upbeat outlook for the US particularly, albeit with the, you know, with Europe being in recession, I, I feel that we've embedded a lot of those um, demand-based cutbacks in our numbers already. And, and so, you know, when we're looking for prices to rise to about, you know, 125 on, on average with, through the course of the fourth quarter, there's considerable up, um, considerable uh, upside there. For the the likes of the grain markets, I still do like corn. It is a it is a market that you know we've seen interestingly today. Um, the USDA really pull back European production. They only cut it to 60, 60 million tons from sixty eight. We're much lower currently, um, flagging risks of moving to sort of sub fifty five million tons. And 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 the EU is just such a critical maize producer. Um, and is also historically very dependent on imports of that maize from Ukraine. And whilst we do have the Black Sea Grain Initiative underway and, and that there are certainly shipments flowing, it, the, the vessels are taking very, very small volumes and, and, and arguably, um, you know, that the pace of the flows is still tracking at about a 20% rate of, of what would be considered normal capacity. 
So, you know, the Black Sea Initiative is not solving the problem with respect to global corn and, and arguably wheat exports. So we're still looking for corn prices to, to, to really recover here. We have a, a very bullish fourth quarter target, 850 um, on CBOT there. And it's really reflective of the fact that to your point, Rahani, we've seen very, very minimal consumer coverage here across, across markets, grain markets particularly. Um, we're starting to see a lot more uh, strength move into physical prices from the point of view of very, very strong basis levels uh, and, and equally reasonable export sales from the US certainly improved last week, I think reasonably imminently, the EU is really going to have to uh, more aggressively purchase um, US corn going forward to get through certainly first quarter, second quarter of 2023, which I think will, will start to add um, more strength to the basis. And, and the futures markets are very much dislocated from that currently. So it's a question of when we're going to start to see that convergence. And, and maybe that happens around delivery periods. Um, you know, is, is, is that, you know, something we'll see with respect to the delivery period for the upcoming uh, September expiration, possibly, or if not the, the DEES contracts later this year, but something that just, just warrants a lot of attention in our view. Um, you know, I think coming back to the Black Sea Grade Initiative, there has been so much press and, and we've discussed this at length on this podcast, but ultimately, you know, it has been it, it has almost been still in a, in a trial phase, the, the volumes thus far, we're kind of talking about roughly 500,000 tonnes now, give or take, following the shipments in the last couple of days. We do have some vessels entering um, and, and arriving at, at Ukraine um, Black Sea ports, Western, to load grain. Uh, that's the next phase to see how things really track and progress there. But still, you know, I, there are a lot of, a lot of concerns, I think, and uncertainty, given that the first vessel that really, you know, left uh, Odessa, the Rizzoni, you know, was was turned away from its buyer uh, in 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 Lebanon on the basis of quality concerns. So a, a lot of headlines here, a lot of headline risk, not a lot of volume and certainly um, something to, to really watch out for, because I, I think that's one of the reasons why from the investor point of view, at least, and to a certain extent why the consumer has been really reluctant to buy at high prices because of the hope and the promise of, you know, an improved export supply out of, out of Ukraine. We really haven't seen that materialise just yet. Our indicators in our balances, you know, don't show material normalisation in those export flows anytime soon. We really need to see a peaceful resolution to enable farmers to um, be able to move their crops from on-farm areas in Ukraine into to port zones. So a lot to watch out for there, Rahani. Um, maybe just turning back, you know, quickly on, on cotton, I think really worth delving into a little further because the, the cuts today were, were tremendous. Um, you know, what are you thinking from a, a supply and demand point of view and, and price point of view there? Right, Tracy. So... Of course, there was major bullish development for cotton today and cotton production has been on a decline. We've been flagging that for some time now, but the downgrade today was um, quite surprising, uh, you know, coming in over 10% below the low end of trade expectations and drawing inventories with the lowest stocks to use ratio since 1924-25. I think there's one major point to note going forward, there is still scope for further revisions in the Brazilian cotton production for 2021-22 crop. Anecdotal estimates suggest uh, 
a lot of uh, downgrades still to the USDA's current 12 million bales estimate going further towards 10 and a half million bales. So, um, you know, scope for a further downward revision of around one and a half million bales there. This continues to underpin our bullish stance on ice to cotton. Uh, as you discussed as well, we're looking for prices to move towards 125 cents per pound average for the fourth quarter with 123 through 2023. The other major um, aspect for cotton is the recessionary impact or the impact coming from the economic slowdown that has weighed on market sentiment recently and has driven a downward revision in our global cotton consumption forecast of around two to 3% from June to around 120 million bales through 2023. However, that is almost flat year on year and 1% below the 2021 level. So we've uh, incorporated some demand-based revisions in our, folk, uh, in our balance for cotton. However, cotton inventories are still projected to draw through 22-23 at the global level, Tracy, and support prices higher. Speaking of the Sorry. recessionary impact, Tracy, how, how vulnerable do you think our grains to growth slowdown, given that the sell-off has been really widespread in nature? I mean, uh, our analysis, Rahani, suggests that there is certainly very negligible implications there for, you know, for wheat. And um, I think with respect to, to corn, there is a little bit more sensitivity on the part of feed demand. Um, that's largely already been stripped out of our balances where possible. Interestingly, the USDA did trim the 22, 23, uh, you know, feed and residual number for the US crop. But I think probably coming back to like what markets are doing today, they've, you know, they've sold off after what has been a very, very constructive, um, you know, fundamental note from the USDA. I think with further downside supply revisions to come, it's, you know, uh, equally it's been really led lower by, um, by arguably the, the wheat markets. Um, I think it's important to note that, you know, the Russian wheat crop did increase materially in this note. Um, the USDA now looking for a crop of around sort of 88 million tonnes, and that would be historically large. It's quite close to our estimate of around 86 million tonnes, which we, which we did stress had upside there. I think what's really important to flag here is that there's only so much export capacity, and particularly with, you know, financial constraints to exporting, you know, Russian, or also certainly importing, I should say, Russian origin products, securing uh, trade finance and, and, and vessel finance. I think our estimate for um, exports of Russian wheat it, it still stands around 36 million tonnes. So I, I do think there's a lot of um, vulnerability in these prices, which are really expecting not only record large tranches of, of exports of wheat, certainly, you know, particularly from Russia, um, but it is something that, you know, we're already seeing the USDA start to increase certainly US wheat uh, exports there. Um, and for my mind, it's quite, it's probably unrealistic to, to anticipate that, that Russia will be able to materially increase export volumes of wheat in this current environment, um, despite what is a record large crop. It, it is still something that the USDA has really increased exports to 42 million tonnes. And I think to do that, to hit that target, we're going to really need to see the likes of friendly countries, China, elsewhere, um, really step up and, and materially increase uh, Russian origin imports. 
China's import demand for wheat is still at, at nine and a half million tonnes. So the, 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 the global outlook for wheat, I think, is one of still immensely tight exportable supplies and um, the market's quite vulnerable to, to ticking higher here. Uh, Rahani, we've discussed a lot today. Thank you so very much for your time and, and our discussion. Thank you all for listening to this commodities edition of JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continuing the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to the JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022, JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on 12th of August, 2022.